Hey, Deal Farm listeners, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about generating motivated seller leads using direct mail. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Deal Farm Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tricks to help make you a better real estate investor. Your show hosts are Ken Corsini, star of the HGTV show Flipper Flop Atlanta, and Mike Hambright, founder of FlipNerd.com one of the nation's leading websites for real estate investors with over 100,000 subscribers. Ready to talk real estate? Let's start today's show. Welcome to The Deal Farm. This is Ken Corsini. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Hambright. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, Ken. What's happening? Oh, man. Just another great Monday here in January. Can't complain. Yeah, Anything yeah. good on your end? It's good. It's good. I think the last show we did here recently, it was like super cold here and maybe there, and it's it's not so bad anymore. So we're back to kind of, you know, obviously I'm in Texas, so we're back to January in Texas. I actually was wearing shorts yesterday, so really, oh yeah, that's not bad. A little chilly, a little chilly, but I'm I'm a rebel, so (laughs) give it a week, man. You'll be back in your uh, (laughs) stocking hats again, probably. So what are we talking about today? Direct mail. We're going to talk about direct mail. I mean, we, you know, we, we talk about this stuff all the time that lead generation is critical to your business. If you, don't have, if you don't have a consistent way to generate motivated seller leads in your business, you don't have a business really, right? And uh, That's right. I talk about that all the time uh, when I coach people and I do some events here. Um, and I, sometimes I catch myself and, I, and I'm, I'm talking about real estate investing, but then I I kind of say, and it's true, like that's true for every business. If you don't have yep. customers that want to work with you and are willing to pay you or willing to give you something in value, um, then you don't have a business at all. So that's really kind of universal across all business. It is. You know, it's funny. You know, we've been sort of heavy on the on the real estate brokerage. That's like the traditional real estate retail brokerage side of things. Right. Uh, and that's growing fairly well for us and quickly. And it's it's almost the exact same thing. I mean, you're still – you're still out there marketing for leads, whether it's just somebody that wants you to buy or sell a house or it's a motivated seller lead. It's really the same business. Right. You know, whether you're in real estate or it's a different industry, it's like you said, you don't have a business unless you're generating people that you can do business with. That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So w- one of the things that we do, and I know you do too, and most real estate investors do, most most people start there and even people that are veterans like you and me that have been doing this for a long time, we found that direct mail is kind of the really kind of foundational, right, in terms of lead generation? It's the sort of the tried and true method because there's, there's a lot of other ways to generate leads. But direct mail has been around a long time and it's just proven to work, bottom line. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that today. One of the things that's, uh, one of the things that's, that's great about direct mail is, you know, like it or not, um, there's a big brother has got a lot of data on us. There's a lot of data out there. So companies sell lists that uh, you and I and other real estate investors can access to um, get really targeted on specific things, whether it's a probate or recent divorce or, you know, all sorts of situations that, uh, that we care about as real estate investors, because those ultimately can be flags, right? They're flags saying, Hey, something happened in my life and I might be interested in selling. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, like you said, the big brother has way more data on us than any of us realize, and uh, it's good for us if we're on the marketing and maybe not so good if you're interested in your privacy. Yeah. But yeah. a list, I mean, really, at the end of the day, the only way to be successful is this is to have a targeted list. You can't just start mailing, you know, general populations and expect to have success. You have to drill down to specific people that you think might be motivated for, for some reason. 
Hey, Deal Farm listeners, if you're actively doing deals already and looking to take your business to a whole new level, I've got an incredible opportunity for you. There's nothing that has accelerated growth in my business more than surrounding myself with other successful real estate investors. My co-host of the Deal Farm podcast, Mike Hambright, and I have started a powerful mastermind for active real estate investors called Investor Fuel. If you'd like to learn more about this incredible opportunity, only available for those actively doing deals, please go to dealfarm.net forward slash mastermind. If it looks like a fit, you can request your invitation to join us at one of our upcoming meetings, where you'll be surrounded with dozens of other active investors, all actively doing deals. In fact, some of our current members have done hundreds of deals and will share their knowledge, tips, and tricks with you. Just go to dealfarm.net forward slash mastermind to learn more and request your invitation today. Hope to see you at our next mastermind meeting. Yeah, and the cool thing is uh, you can kind of kind of uh, overlay multiple lists, right? You can say, well, uh, I want to see those that went through probate uh, or went through, you know, they recently were divorced or um, have a uh, tax, they're delinquent on taxes or something, and then overlay it with equity. How much equity are they estimated to have in their house? Because just because somebody passed away or is getting divorced or hasn't paid their taxes doesn't mean they have enough equity in their house to even sell it to, to guys like you or me, right? Very true. Well, and to that, to your point, the whole concept of overlaying, bottom line is the harder it is to put together a list and the more work it takes, probably the better the list. At least that's what I found yeah. in my experience. And the more expensive too, right? I mean, I know there's a lot there's a lot of lists out there. You can get general data from list source and uh, we've got access to it for as low as three cents. I think most people are paying kind of seven to ten cents or more, but but that's uh, you know, that's uh um that's more of a general list, right? Just uh age based, age of the home, maybe things like that, but not necessarily um kind of life uh Things that have happened in their life, such as, uh, like we talked about, tax delinquent issues, death, divorce, inheritance, like all those types of issues. Yep, yep. Well, we, we keep throwing out some of these lists. Let's drill down a little bit and maybe talk <laughs> about some of the more popular ones and the, the, the tried and true ones. Um, I know for me, you know, when I first got started in this, sort of the go-to list is the absentee list. And that's basically people that just don't live in that in that particular residence. So maybe an out-of-state investor Maybe somebody that just had to move out of their house for one reason or other, but basically somebody that doesn't live in that specific house, you know, that's a good starting point. I'm, just, I'm assuming you've mailed absentee in the past as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, one thing that uh, a lot of people are, are surprised when I say this, uh, if you think of the home ownership rate in America is uh, on average is, is somewhere around 64, maybe 65% now. And, and it, it's, it's been a few points higher than that, but never dramatically higher. So what that means is um, if you kind of look at the inverse of that, one in three houses in America is an absentee deal. It's a it's a real estate. Uh, it's a it's a it's a rental. One in three houses in America is a rental. Wow, that's a high population. Well, when you pull yeah. the lists, I mean, it's not surprising. There's yeah, and it's a lot of mom and pops too. I mean, there's a lot of right. people that just own one or two houses. You know, it's not necessarily the the, the big investor that's got a giant portfolio of houses. It's a lot of yeah. just mom and pops. Right. I think uh, you know. To kind of overlay that uh, one in three houses in America is a rental property. On top of that, I, I think these are um, – I don't have the exact numbers, but it's like roughly 90% of those. And by the way, that number is tens of millions, right? So um, uh, about 90% of those are people that own just one house. You're right. It's not like the big hedge funds or anything like that. I mean, there are, those do exist, but the majority of the 
of the rental properties or those that are being rented out in America are people that own one and then, you know, some own two. But it's the people that, you know, uh, grew up in a house and, and mom lived there and dad passed away and then mom moved into assisted living or passed away as well. And then, some, you know, the child, uh, one of the siblings inherit it and they just decide to keep it as a rental property or maybe they get married and uh, and they they keep one of their houses as a rental property, things like that. Yep, yep. Uh, and so talking about overlays, you know, one of the things we like to do is take that absentee list and then overlay it with tax delinquent. We've had a lot mm-hmm. of success with that one. Yeah. Uh, that or vacancy. You can actually overlay it with houses. So maybe somebody owns a house in another state and it's currently vacant. And that's money because you know they're probably motivated to get rid of that house that's just sitting there vacant right now. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, I, I often ask this question when I'm when I'm teaching people, like a room full of people. I say, who you know, who in here owns rental properties? And a few people raise their hands, and then I say, oh, how many of you own just one? And uh, and the thing about having one rental property is it's either okay for now or it's a nightmare. Like you either have 100 <laughs> percent vacancy or 100 percent occupancy, right? And um, and so if somebody tears it up or damages it or whatever. Um, it does significant financial damage to you in the situation because you don't have like, if you just have one or two, you don't have a portfolio to kind of balance out those issues, right? Yep. Well, and to that point too, that's another list that can be gold is the dispossessory list. So, you know, investors that have just had to evict a tenant are usually ripe for the pickings, ready to sell that house. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I mean, I know I've had, I've had, I'm sure you've got stories too. I've had stories where we're evicting somebody that day and somebody goes to deliver the eviction notice and the house uh, was burned to the ground and still smoldering. Uh, yeah, crazy, crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's. I've had a couple of rentals burned to the down ground. One of them was uh, probably truthfully an accident. This one was, the fire department said it was an accident, but I don't believe it. It was too much of a coincidence on the day they're being evicted. Oh, but but more more uh, commonly is, you know, um, you're moving a tenant out or you're evicting them after a while and you go in and there's, they've just done th- thousands of dollars of, of damage. And so um, if you own one rental property and that happens to you, you know, maybe the first time you deal with it. But after that happens a couple of times, you just start to kind of give up. You're like, man, this is not a good investment on my part. Oh, especially if you're out of state. I mean, yeah. I've owned properties out of state. I, I even do own some now that you're not there and you're just kind of trusting a property manager to tell you what's really going on. And all you know is, you know, they're probably motivated to put more money into it than you want to. And it's frustrating. You, you can't see what's going on and you just want to dump it. I mean, I get that. I've been there before. Yeah. So we talk about uh, absentee lists. We talk about vacancies. Um, those, uh, and you can kind of overlay, are they out of state? Cause I agree with you. If, if you're, if they live in the same town, they're probably less motivated than if it's somebody that inherited a house or has a rental and they're on the other side of the country. Yep. Um, and then there's things like, uh, probate we talked about, we talked about tax delinquent lists. Um, what else are we, are we, uh, well, you know, another one that kind of goes hand in hand with, uh, with vacancy is code violation. I know some mm. wholesalers, some friends of ours who focus on that list more than anything else. Yeah. You Those know, are good lists. Got- and I'll tell people, like you said, the lists that are harder to get tend to be better because they're just less competitive than like a lot yeah. of real estate investors, you know, right or wrong are, are lazy. Like they don't want to have to do the hard work to go get those lists. And a lot of times in all, all I really know are, you know, my experience, I guess, here locally with tax delinquent lists is there's not a lot of vendors that have those for sale. A lot of times, uh, 
you got to go get them yourself or you, you meet somebody that's going to get them and he's going to sell it to like five people in your market. And so they're really niche. They tend to be more expensive because there's a lot of legwork that went into it. Yep. Um, of course, if you go get it yourself, uh, it, it will be cheap or, or free, but then you got to spend all that time getting it. You know, same with probate. You know, probate's one of those ones. You can buy the lists that are super expensive and who knows how accurate they are, or you can just Go down to the courthouse and pull the records yourself once right. a month or pay somebody else to do it. Yep, yep. Well, let's talk a little bit about – we talked about some lists there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, kind of frequency. You know, that's another big question is how often do I mail this same list and uh, what do you think? That You know, that's a huge question. When I got into this, you know, the direct mail a handful of years ago, this is where I think I screwed up. I think a lot of people do. You hit them once and you're like, oh, this – you know, I did okay. I didn't do that great. But that's that's not how direct mail works. Direct right. mail is hitting them consistently, the same list over and over. And in my mind, it sort of depends on how good the list is. If it's a really good, strong niche list, you know, I'd hit them every four weeks. If it's a sort of an average list, maybe every six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I've never known what the right answer is. I mean, we tried to measure stuff. It get, these things get hard to measure because you end up adding new addresses to your list and removing yeah. people from your list. But I've always thought of it in terms of either 30, 60, or 90 days. And it's my belief that you know any more frequently than 30 days is too much. And any less frequently than 90 days is not enough. So the question is like, where is it? What is the right number? So I've, I've tended to, personally, I've tended to kind of go back and forth over time between 60 and 90 days. Uh, but I don't know what the right answer is. All I know is, uh, you know, it's rare that you mail somebody one time and, and, you buy a deal from it. It's it's pretty common that they've been getting your letters for a while, and they'll just say, "Yeah, I've been getting your le- your letters for a while, your postcards for a while, and the times come." You just have, the most important thing is hitting them at the time where they need somebody like you. That's right. Well, and the other thing is you can't measure the effectiveness of a campaign even three months, even six months down the road, because that's not how it works. Most of these leads take even upwards of a year or more to really understand how effective that marketing campaign was. Right. Right. What is funny, one of the deals we're doing right now, actually we're doing it on the show, is a deal, it was a postcard, and the, the dude didn't call for a year. A year later, he decides to call the postcard, and, and it's going to be a slam dunk deal for us. Yeah, we get those too. We, uh, it's pretty common. I mean, we got, we got a lead last week, um, and this is pretty common, I, and I don't look into my leads in detail because I have a whole team, but she just happened to say I, we got a lead from a lead source today that I know we stopped mailing to uh, at least a year ago. And so here we are. Those that's that's why it's important to pick your phone numbers wisely and, and in a way to where you're okay paying for them forever because, you know, you're going to get calls for months and years after you send uh, after you send out direct mail. So you want to kind of hang on to those phone numbers for a long time. Yep, yep. Let's talk for a second about uh, the sources of data. Where do you pull some of your lists? You'd mentioned list source. Is that your primary place to get data? So that's where we go to get. Um, that's where we go to get our. Uh, Kind of more general data. I mean, like I said, it's relatively inexpensive, but not a lot of specialty lists. Um, I've got a couple of other list uh, providers. Didn't I'm not sure if I want to give away my Easter eggs. Yeah. Today. I didn't He's know we were talking about time. that today, Ken. Uh, no. Uh, do you have anybody you can share with who you get your list from? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, list source. We've got a, a bunch of lists from list source. Um, we have used in the past uh, Agent Pro two four seven. Okay, and you can get you can pull lists some kind of basic lists for like five cents, which is pretty good. 
Um, if you've got the hookup, like apparently you do, I think we actually have that <laughs> as of recently. You can get them as low as three cents at, uh, at ListSource, which is nice. But really, some of your best lists, honestly, we, we generate a lot of our own lists. And we've got a guy going to pull the probate records manually. We actually paid a programmer to scrape certain websites to get some tax delinquent data for us. Oh, wow. So I, honestly, some of your manual you know, ways of getting lists are going to be your, your best, most productive lists. Yeah. We, we, we honestly, we buy our probate leads. I use them from uh, U.S. Probate Leads, which has been a good source for us. And uh, they're actually based here in Dallas, but they're probably the largest kind of probate list provider yep. uh, in the country. I mean, they have, you know, they, they literally have uh, hundreds of people all over the country that are going into uh, county offices and pulling records all over the country. So they've got a massive kind of grant, ground game operation. But like you said, uh, I'm not trying, I'm not going to try to quote any prices here because I know it differs by market and, and that. But, um, uh, I know, you know, those are way more than three cents, but those are probably much, much better leads than just somebody that's over 65 and has equity in their house, which you might get through a generic pull through like list source. Sure. Yeah. Probate leads is most people will tell you're a high. That's usually, you know, a lot of folks will tell you that their best deals ever were ones that were probate leads. Yeah. And you'll pay a couple bucks a lead in some cases. Right. I talked to a provider. I got to tell you this after we're done recording. It was seven bucks a lead, man, for a probate, which I yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. But I guess I mean there there could be justification for it if the list is strong enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'll pay uh, I'll pay thousands of dollars a lead if it if if it's like my conversion ratio is one out of one, right? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. That's right. Right. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, I I was just kind of teaching my team, uh, people that I coach and mentor, about list management. So I don't know if you have any ways to manage your list. You kind of pull all these lists from all these different sources. And, um, you know, one th- a thing that you and I kind of practice and preach and talk a lot about is how to treat your business like a business. And um, then sometimes people get stuck on operational things like list management. And yeah. uh, I'd be curious to know if you have a, any tips for that because, truthfully, we, we've never really gotten past just managing it in Excel. Uh, you know, that is one of the most cumbersome things in this business. And unfortunately, you know, I was a, I was doing software before I got in real estate. So I'm actually pretty good with Microsoft access Yeah, and and nobody else in my business is good at it. And so I'm always stuck being the data guy, which I hate. I really Uh wish I could unload it, but I can get in there and whip out a list and scrub it pretty quick. And so I, I'm usually the guy that gets stuck doing it. Is that still, they still sell that? I, yeah, I mean, I still have oh, it. It's okay. still in Microsoft Office. I mean, okay. it's such a great tool, man. It's easy to manipulate data really quick in it. Yeah, yeah, I've used but it, but it's probably been like, I don't even know how long, 20 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does feel okay. I should admit that. But I, do th- but I drop it into Excel. I mean, at the end of the day, it still ends up back in Excel. Yeah. So one of the big questions kind of floating around these days is, is direct mail dead? Like, I know that it feels more competitive right now. Uh, we're in a, you know, we're obviously in a, competitive market right now, no matter almost what, what market in the country you're in. But what are your thoughts on kind of what's happened with direct mail and, and where it's going? I definitely don't think it's dead. I just think it's super competitive. And right. so you have to stay ahead of the curve. I mean, I, I tell you this, I wouldn't go spend a lot of money on a high equity list in a hot area with just a generic postcard. Right. I think you'd be flushing money down the toilet. Yeah, uh, but I would go after a really hard to get list with a couple overlays and a nice, you know, maybe pink envelope with a pretty letter, and I, I would spend money on that. So I think there are ways to do it. You just have to set yourself apart from the rest of the field. Yeah. So you just talked about uh, your actual mailing pieces. So 
Um, any kind of thoughts on, and I agree with you. I think, uh, you've got to stay ahead of the curve. You got to go after some higher quality lists for sure. Um, and, uh, so the, then the next kind of big question is always letters versus postcards. So you just mentioned letters. Is that primarily what you send? You know, we, we used to do postcards. I used to do, I'll tell you what we, what's worked for us in the past. It still works. Okay. Is the, is like a handwritten postcard on the large, the large stock, like a mm. five okay. by seven. Yeah. Or bigger, uh, and it, I think it gets people's attention more when it looks handwritten. So we've had success with that in the past, but I actually now tend more towards letters yeah. that are in, in you know different sized envelopes and with you know you can have pictures of yourself. They could be on. I still like yellow letters. I think they they still work. Um, I don't know. And, and the cost now, I mean, really, it's even that's gotten so competitive that it's driven the cost down. That you can get pretty darn close to the cost of a postcard and send a letter instead. Yeah, it's not, you know, with uh, – we use uh, Yellow Letter HQ. Yep. And, uh, yeah, the costs are surprisingly not that far apart. They used to be like a lot more, but yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, and so, we use the same thing. We use Yellow Letter in HQ. In terms of having oh. your picture on it, Ken, do you have to be a handsome uh, movie star like you or can you just be a regular-looking guy? Unfortunately, you do have to be <laughs> handsome and you have to be on television oh, for that to work. Well, that's going to limit it down to just like a few people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, no, you can be ugly. Maybe there's some advantages to that as well. I don't know. Yeah. If you feel sorry for you a little bit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I think, look, at the end of the day, folks, what we're talking about here is direct mail for lead generation. And uh, you've probably heard, you know, Ken and I have collectively bought lots and lots of houses. And uh, even we are kind of, I hear Ken say some things. I'm like, oh, I don't, I use postcards. He uses letters. You know, we, we're talking about different lists here and different ways we get them. And um, we know a lot of the most experienced people in the country. And uh, it's pretty common for you to be in a room with two people that are buying over 100 houses a year each. And one of them will adamantly, with every ounce of their being, tell you that postcards is where it's at. And the next person will tell you letters. So yep. I think the important thing is just to be uh, is just to be testing, trying different things. And the way that you ultimately um, the way that you ultimately can tell what's working and what's not is uh is having being good at tracking and we do that with you know, ultimately with different phone numbers right ken you do the same thing that's right, right. oh yeah yeah we've got call rail and got a zillion different phone numbers yep. and that's exactly right you have to track here's the deal though you have to track but you can't make a snap judgment either it's sort of a catch-22 you have to track but give it a, give it six months before you know whether it worked or not yeah for sure yeah you can't yeah you one deal like if, if you if it's like hey i've spent two thousand dollars on this list over the last six months and then you say it doesn't work and then you get a call the next day on a house that you make like thirty thousand dollars on like it you know one deal in this business swings like stats that's why all of all of us as real estate investors anytime you talk about numbers there's always like an asterisk next to it right <laughs> that's right there's not enough data unfortunately <laughs> right yeah awesome but yeah everybody i think uh um the important thing is just to get started and, and for guys like Ken and I that send a lot of direct mail and some of people that we know that send massive amounts of direct mail, sometimes that could get over a little bit overwhelming. But I think that's one of the great things about direct mail is you don't have to have a huge budget. You can get started with with a relatively low amount, right? That's right. You don't have to send crazy amount. I mean no. set a budget of maybe a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks to get started. And start working those leads. I mean, you'll and track your response rate. You know, if you're getting half, you know, half a percent to even one percent, which I think is kind of on the high side. Yeah, it is. You know, then and then just work those leads and get practice at it. And eventually, you'll pop one, and then and then reinvest some of that money into more into more marketing spend. That's right. That's right. 
Awesome. Well, Ken, anything else we need to talk about with direct mail? I think we've covered it all. I think it's good, man. It, it, there is no there is no silver bullet. I mean, try different lists. Every market's going to do better with certain lists. Just dip your toes in the water and get started. It's fun, man. I, I love the whole mathematics and statistics behind direct mail, and it's it's basically like finding a treasure. And it's uh, I think you'll enjoy it more than you think. Yep. Awesome. Well, that's all we've got for today, everybody, on direct mail. We're going to see you on another upcoming episode. Have a great day. Did you like today's episode of the Deal Farm Real Estate Investing Show? If so, please help us out by visiting dealfarm.net, then following the links to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play to subscribe to the show and leave us a positive review. Your reviews mean the world to us and keeps us inspired to keep bringing you new content each week. Thanks for your help and see you on the next episode.